This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good! It's good! Champion versus champion. Title for title. It's the ultimate challenge. It's WrestleMania! Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the WrestleMania 37 Gambling Preview. I'm your host, Colin Wilson, and joining me is sports gambler and wrestling fanatic like myself, Nick Costos, host of You Better You Bet Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to cover WrestleMania 37 matches, discuss the story build, the predicted winner, possible ramifications for the huge Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. But first, let's start off. Nick, how are you doing? And what is your all-time favorite WrestleMania moment? Well, first off, brother, great to be on with you. Normally, you're on with me on You Better You Bet. So great to be doing stuff with you here with our friends over um, at the Action Network. Uh, last, last time you and I worked together, a bit of a different circumstance, WrestleMania 36 podcast, but... uh. You know, it was the start of the pandemic. Nothing else was going on. So we're coming off the NCAA tournament. We got the Masters. So a lot of good stuff going on in the world of sports. So I'm doing great. Great to be on with you here talking WrestleMania. You know, WWE, obviously a passion of mine my entire life. Favorite WrestleMania memory. I'm actually going to go back to the first WrestleMania that I really remember watching. Now, I watched WrestleMania six. But I don't remember a lot about it other than Warrior winning at the end. And I was a huge Warrior fan. But Seven was the first one where I was like really cognizant and like knew what was happening and like super invested in it. And I was a huge Warrior mark. Warrior Savage WrestleMania 7 career ending match is my probably my favorite wrestling match ever. I don't think it's the best match ever as far as like, you know, work rate goes or whatever. But as far as a storyline goes, dramatic build, you know, that's where wrestling kind of like ascends to Shakespeare when it really like, becomes a medium unto itself. And it really just becomes, you know, like the best thing ever. So Warrior beating Savage, followed by Savage's face turn, reuniting with this Elizabeth after the match. That will always be my answer. Warrior Savage, WrestleMania 7. I love it. I love it because that really kind of plays into when I started watching wrestling. Well, really WWE religiously, because I can't really, I was, I was, lived in the South. I was born in the South. So WTBS was a really, yeah, I'm a New part. Yorker. I'm a New, yeah, Yorker, you're a New so Yorker. I didn't want, I didn't watch WCW until, yeah. until Hogan's leg drop of, uh, of, you know, Savage and be at bash at the beach 96. Right. Right. So I think everybody that's listening to this podcast, you have to realize that Nick was, Nick is a New Yorker. Oh, by the way, he's a Shawn Michaels guy. So let's just get past that. Cause I'm a Bret Hart fanatic. So we'll, we'll sit, we'll table that for later on in the podcast, but Nick is a New Yorker, which WWE was very territorial back then, right? I mean, there was Stampede Wrestling. There was all these different territories. I'm down here watching the Von Erichs uh, fight in Texas. I'm watching Lawler in Memphis. And I, WTBS is on Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, uh, the original Four Horsemen, Harley Race, uh, Magnum TA, Nikita Koloff. I'm down here watching this. And I don't really know about this sideshow that's going on up in New York called WWE, right? And, and, and these... These characters, because these characters didn't exist in NWA, WCW. Like, I mean, there's uh, the, I almost said the Ding Dongs, the Red Rooster, uh, there's Kamala, there's Coco Beware, there's just all the, and the Million Dollar Man, the fact that, uh, who is a Southern Georgia product, right? Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. Because the Million Dollar Man The fact that a guy could just buy a title from Andre the Giant was like the most fascinating thing. Uh, so even though my most favorite WrestleMania moment uh, is going to be WrestleMania 13, the Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin double turn. I mean, that can't I, I don't think I've ever seen that pulled off. I don't think it can ever be pulled off where a good guy and a bad guy, clear good guy, clear bad guy go into a match. And in one match, they tell a story where the good guy is now the bad guy. The bad guy is now the good guy. And that's why that's my favorite WrestleMania moment. Because I don't think that's ever been replicated, Nick. Can you remember a time? Well, also, I think it was, and you correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't know if that's that was their intention. I feel <laughs> like that kind of like it happened like organically, which is which is incredible. I think the one that I would offer, and like it didn't come with like the long-lasting ramifications, like because that kind of set up Brett as a heel after the match, and Austin is kind of like the like uh 
the the anti-hero babyface after that would kind of would be Hogan Rock WrestleMania in Toronto. Um, when obviously the fans turned Hogan face during the match and turned Rock heel. Now Hogan turns face after the match, of course, splitting with the NWO at the time. But uh, Rock stays a face, obviously, once that match is over. So it's not quite the same thing. But that's the one that stands out. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they intended for that to happen. But Brett with Austin and the sharpshooter. And Austin bleeding, refusing to tap out, passing out, Shamrock calling the match. Pretty legendary. And I know you're a Brett guy and I'm a Michaels guy. And that's, you know, you're entitled to your incorrect opinion. That's fine. As, as, I think long, that- as long as you come on the podcast and didn't tell me your favorite moment was a WrestleMania 12, 60-minute overtime. It's By the way, I'm, I'm losing MLB extra innings. Uh, unders to extra runs, and I'm using college. I'm, I'm losing college basketball unders to overtime. So I don't want to hear about WrestleMania 12 and Shawn Michaels winning in overtime. It's a terrible match, by the way. I mean, I guess it's okay, but I was, it's not like the classic people uh, people put it over as. Brett's heel run there, when especially when he was like with the Canada faction, the Hard Foundation. I, I actually think that's the best work of Brett's entire career. So I loved Brett at this time as a, as a as a heel. He feel he he felt so bad about saying. The United States was shaped like a toilet bowl. And if there was an enema, they'd put the tube right in Pittsburgh, PA. It's, it's I, one of the great lines of all time, though. I was on the floor. I was on, like, this is, I love Bret Hart more than anything in the world. And it, it started from a technical background when he was in the Hart Foundation. But then we've turned into uh, sticking the tube in Pittsburgh, PA. And I just couldn't love him anymore. Uh, and I'm so, American and I loved it. It's yeah, it was I know. I'm American. I loved it, too. Like, there was just so much heat. There was so much heat. There's no such thing as Canadian American heat ever, any anytime. So well, I don't know when 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 Michaels walked out in Montreal. Um, yeah. I don't know what year that was, and cut that incredible interview, just killing Montreal and killing Brett. That was pretty special. Yes, yeah, definitely. So we, you guys, uh, hopefully from that little intro, and, and re, you know, to go back and look at WrestleMania six, I think that was the first time in my childhood that I realized that things weren't going to be as predictable. Like, I mean, an intercontinental champion and an ultimate warrior beating Hulk Hogan. I just, I didn't think that was fathomable for Hulk Hogan to lose a main event at WrestleMania because he'd been in all of them continued to be after it. And I think that's where we get into this podcast is this is a betting podcast. This isn't, I mean, even though that we think this is all predictable and scripted and we've seen the stories and we think that we know where they're going, uh, we are here to find discrepancies in the market and hopefully make some cash. So that's what we're going to start doing. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off with our betting card now. WrestleMania uh, 37 is a two night event like it was last year. Uh, this time it'll be in Raymond James Stadium instead of the Training Center like it was last year. So maybe some more fireworks. Uh, you know, I I believe Nick. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's gonna be a bit of a crowd. Was there gonna be? Oh yeah, yeah. Was it 20 percent capacity or? There, there, there is going to be a pop, right? A real pop. Oh, yeah. I just did media with um, an Odyssey sports station in Miami. Jonathan Zaslow is the host there. He's going on Saturday night with his nine-year-old son. So you are there. Are, and actually, I, I really think, and this will kind of play into kind of some thoughts I have as to winners here, where I think this being like the first event that actually has fans back at it, being WrestleMania, I think will actually play into some of the booking decisions that are made. A huge complaint of mine is I'm so tired of hearing the same cheer i can hear the i i know the tone in my head that i've lived through the last year of wwe pumping the sound into and i and i'm thinking to myself as wwe has had so much content in the pandemic with no crowd and basically everybody's zooming in uh to the thunderdome i think to myself somebody in the back producing is hitting the cheer button and somebody in the back is hitting the boo button but how do you know that people are really cheering right i i, I think people would be cheering lashley right now I don't probably think Lashley, Vince's dream. Vince gets to tell the audience what to do instead but, of the audience telling Vince what they actually want. He probably loves it. Yeah, Vince is actually the one back there with his finger on the button on whether this is good or whether this is bad, the boos and the cheers. And I, frankly, I think some of it's wrong. Like, I think there are some heels that deserve to be cheered. And I think there's some faces that definitely need to be, that, that don't need any cheering whatsoever. So we're going to start off with kind of a shocker, uh, a match that we thought was going to be the main event on Saturday. So we'll break down the Saturday card and the Sunday card. We thought that Bobby Lashley and his WWE championship going up against former champion Drew McIntyre was going to be the main event of Saturday. Right now, Drew McIntyre, heavy favorite, about minus 200 uh, if you poke around. And the story to this, McIntyre was pinned by Miz at the Elimination Chamber to lose his title. Uh, Lashley went over Miz on Raw. I think there was a favor done by Lashley to help Miz get over against McIntyre, but then he paid the price by having one of the shortest runs I can remember in quite a while. Uh, well so done, though. It was yeah, well it was, done. 
it was well done. And uh, I think Miz, you know, we all knew Miz was due for a title reign. I just didn't know it was going to be that short. I thought he'd at least go pay-per-view to pay-per-view because uh, he's been such a great worker, especially, you know, with him and, and going into fatherhood. He has been a great worker because I didn't think that way 10 years ago. I thought his move set was pretty limited. I thought his character could only go so far, but now I think it's a, he has the ability to elevate his opponents, which I don't think he had 10 years ago. So as far as this story goes, 10 Bobby, months ago, yeah, <laughs> 10 months ago, uh, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin have been kicked out of the hurt business. They're trying to get revenge here. Baron Corbin is now showing up. He's going cross shows, showing up and spoiling Drew McIntyre's matches uh, let me ask this. If Sasha and Bianca Belair, which we're going to get to, if that's going to be the main event of Saturday, how is this a spot for Drew McIntyre to win his title back? Because to me, this says Bobby Lashley dog all over it. If it is not the main event, and what do you think about Corbin's involvement here? You know, I, I think it's such an interesting thing that you bring up in terms of the match placement, right? Um, well, the first thing let's say is I, I can't imagine that they're going to go into, although with Vince, I guess you never know, like a Drew like Corbin title program. So maybe, maybe you're right about what you're saying here, right? So this was my initial thought was McIntyre was kind of because of COVID, right? I don't want to say robbed because like people lost a lot more, obviously with, with COVID-19, but missed out on like his big moment, right? His WrestleMania moment going over Brock Lesnar in the main event on Sunday night last year of WrestleMania. So my initial thought was, okay, like, let's get him the moment this year again. Like, and maybe they put the title back on Lashley because then the question becomes like, it's a short reign for Lashley. Lashley's doing awesome. We love having a dominant heel on top. That's always historically been great. So maybe like McIntyre wins, gets his WrestleMania moment in front of the fans, gets the pop, and then Lashley gets the title back and you go from there. So I I think this is actually kind of tough to predict. In terms of match placement, I think it makes a lot of sense for Bianca and Sasha to be the main event of night one. You know, Bianca wins the Women's Royal Rumble. We know the men are going to be main eventing night two with Roman Edge and Brian in the uh, the Universal title match. So I actually think it makes sense, like you said, for this to open the show, which could mean that Lashley goes over, right? And then maybe like Drew goes into a program then with Corbin afterwards, right? Away from the title picture. And then they figure out what to do with Lashley, get him a new face challenger, and then build back Drew back up to challenge him. Maybe at SummerSlam or maybe, or, or maybe something else. Or maybe McIntyre wins, and then Lashley wins the title back in like a week or two on Raw. And then they get into the program afterwards with Drew and Corbin. So either way, I don't know that Drew is long for the title, even if he wins it. So I don't know if there's a lot of value to be gleaned here. Because I think there are a couple different scenarios that all kind of make sense. And for that reason, I think I'd probably lay off of this one. I think if I had to bet, though, I think I would probably lay it with Drew. But I think you make a really good point about Lashley potentially winning this one as well. Really, the thing that keeps me away from the Bobby Lashley dog money is the fact that the same thing happened. It wasn't a two-night event, but Seth Rollins was going to go up against Brock Lesnar for the title a couple of years ago in New York. And what we thought might have been a headlining, you're never going to headline with Becky and Charlotte and Ronda going at the end. but It was the opener. Yeah, they kicked off Seth and, and, and Brock in the opener. Seth won that thing, with, what, under five minutes? Yeah. Uh, so it was one of those Goldberg squash jobs. Uh, so is it, Rollins won that thing in under five minutes. Rollins waves to the crowd. He's got his title. That's it. That was the end of this huge WWE championship match. So I'm wondering, but if they do that here, what do you do with Lashley and the Hurt Business afterwards? So I'm trying to think long-term and why I want to bet Bobby Lashley. I think, listen, WWE, I don't know what's up with creative, but they, they get into these three match stints. And we're going to talk about it with other matches here where – there's going to be a winner and then there'll be a rematch and there'll be a loser. And then there'll be a rubber match. There's always a rubber match to end the three. And hopefully we don't have like a Cesaro Sheamus best of seven, which was dreadful. Uh, So I think this is the start of a Lashley McIntyre Corbin program, which will carry over. And so that tells me that, you know, and whoever comes out of that, I don't know, because I really have the feeling that this was supposed to be a Brock Lesnar title run for Drew McIntyre to win. And for some reason, maybe financially or maybe with the pandemic, we didn't get we didn't get Lesnar. So Lashley, Lesnar, interchangeable, get Lashley in that spot to try to be a heel. But I actually think he carries himself really well with a championship. And I think that he'll continue after this. So count me in uh, for Lashley. Not a huge bet here, but uh, the fact that it's going first, it's just not that big of a it it minimizes what Drew McIntyre is doing here. So I'm going to go with the dog. And it ends with a new WWE champion, Bobby Lashley. But you agree, though, that, like, Drew ain't losing clean. No. So, like, there's some interference involved. 
And then Drew goes into a program afterwards. Like, who wants to? Who wants to? I mean, we could say that about a well, lot of things. The other happen. thing that's in the back of my head is that that match at Survivor Series between Drew and Roman was fantastic last yeah. year. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and for some, if we can somehow peel Drew off of the WWE Championship and get him somewhere involved with Roman, that's great because that was a hot match. And, and, and we're going to talk about it later about how Roman has not been pinned in quite a long time. And I thought that that would be the match. Let's move on to the annual celebrity pops in. Celebrity tries to play a role. So we're trying to create buzz in the world of, of social media. And the Miz is right at the center of it, right? So we have Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. Yes, Bad Bunny, the artist, uh, the music artist, uh, known outside of WWE for, you know, I mean, much bigger things than WWE. And that's, uh, that's Bad Bunny. Uh, there yeah. is. Okay, I, I get that he's the biggest star in the world in the music business. This is not where you belong, Mr. Bunny. Uh, is taking on The Miz and Morrison, which we thought was a singles match. Now it's a tag match. Uh, I, I think getting Damian Priest exposure in WrestleMania is probably a good idea. The Miz has just got to be happy kind of having this, this kind of exposure with Bad Bunny. But everything that I'm reading is we're going to do everything with Bad Bunny to make him look great. Damian Priest did the radio circuit this week. He said he's going to surprise a lot of people. He's adamant about getting respect from the WWE locker room. Uh, and, you know, I think The Miz is just content just being involved in the storyline for what it's produced from a content standpoint. So I think what we're looking for here, Nick, because the line is just way too high to bet on this, right? I think Bad Bunny and Damian Priest winning is is easily easily what's going to happen here. But the bunny bump, the potential bunny bump at the end of this match could either be the most talked about moment of WrestleMania or it could be a complete disaster. It's still talked about, but this bump that he's obviously been preparing for every day of training I don't know what it's going to be, where it's, he's going to fall off of. I don't know how it's going to happen. But the big, you know, crux of this match is the bunny bump, right? Yes. Um, does that – do you feel like he, they might lose? No. No. You uh, bunny, bunny, Bad Bunny is not losing at WrestleMania, right? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, now, also, so apparently, like, just from reading, like, dirt sheets and stuff, like, apparently, like, the expectations for this match, like, not, like, going to be, like, a five-star classic or anything, but, like – I feel like people are expecting this match to be like pretty decent. And like, apparently like bad bunnies, like a, like a lifelong fan and takes it really seriously and has been working hard at it. And like, look, Morrison's a great worker. Miz is like, say whether you love or hate him, like he's not a terrible worker. He's like above average. You know, priest can obviously go. I think the match is going to be good. I think whatever bet, I think this is going to be good. I personally think it's going to deliver. And of course, bad bunny is going to go over. So I don't know if there's much from a gambling perspective here, but uh, right. I, I am actually cautiously optimistic about this match. And I think it's going to be good. Oh, I'm just worried about this bump. I mean, there's obviously a move that bad bunny wants to execute to get him over uh, and get respect from his peers. Uh, and you know, so I, I, I'm nervous about whatever potential bump this is going to be that he's working on. So that's what I'll be looking for, but I don't think any chance, if you can parlay some of this, I don't think there's any chance that bad bunny, uh, loses this and getting Damian priest exposure on the biggest stages is, is also good too. Uh, we're going to move on to two guys who are apparently in a feud, but in real life, there's no way they're in a feud because they're like best friends. They travel together. They do CrossFit together. I've seen them for years on Instagram, uh, all, all social media formats, uh, they're buddies. Uh, and that is Seth Rollins and Cesaro. Uh, you know, Rollins has had this arrogant look in the locker room. Like, you know, I, I am the chosen one. I am Seth Rollins. He's, I think his outfits have been good, man. The fits have been good for Seth Rollins recently. Dude looks good. Yeah, he does. He does look good. He does look good. He's got that. And I've said this about having a baby, right? Because I've, I've got two sons of my own and there's so much anxiety leading up to the birth of your child. And I said this about John Rahm and golf. There is so much anxiety leading up to the birth of your, of your child. Like you got to have everything in place. Everything's got to be in order. Like your wife needs this here. Your wife needs that there. And you want to be supportive and you want to take care of everything. And you're just, and especially with the first baby, you're just, there's a lot of anxiety building up to that. And then once you have the child, you feel like you can conquer the world. And like that even works with your training. Like, so you could tell that Seth Rollins is like, now I'm a dad, right? He's getting that AJ Styles dad bod, uh, uh, you know, heavy workouts going. So I think what's going on here, if we want to look between the lines, right now Cesaro is listed at minus 300. And I think that that is actually a cheap buy on him because these two, like I said, are real-life CrossFit buddies. And the rumor is that Cesaro is going to get a title shot at one of the 
uh, pay-per-views lined up after this, whether that's Money in the Bank or whether it's Backlash. He's going to get a good four-week run against Roman or Edge. Uh, so it makes sense to build him up here and to get the pin cleanly over what is his off-screen best friend, Seth Rollins, who probably has no problems jobbing. So do you see this going any other way? Nope. I think Cesaro wins. I think it's as easy as that. I think you nailed it. I think this has the potential to be the best, the best match on Saturday night. So I think the match itself is going to be is going to be pretty awesome. I personally love Seth Rollins' persona right now. Super entertaining. The outfits are great. I think the match is going to be great. And like you said, like I don't think Seth cares about putting people over. I don't think this is that we saw him put KO over last year. Obviously, put Orton over the year he won the title later on in the night at the thirty-one when he uh, when he cashed in the Money in the Bank. I think Cesaro wins. I think it's clean. I think it's going to be a great match. And I actually, I actually hadn't considered that. That minus three hundred is probably a, like that's decent. Actually, I'm with you, man. I. I think it makes no sense for Rollins to win. And normally you'd say, well, it's WWE and that would be a fair point. But I think their real life friendship, like, could you imagine like Seth and Cesaro sitting there in the locker room and they're like, well, Seth's like, well, I'm going to go over. So here's how we're going to do it. (laughs) They look at each other like, this is so stupid. Like, no, we're not doing this. Um, So I'm with you. I agree with your analysis 100%. And outside these two wrestlers, I mean, outside Seth Rollins, you can't find anybody to say anything bad about Cesaro. Like his work ethic, the way that he, I mean, he has tremendous matches and we're going to get to Apollo Crews later. It's just like you can't find the gimmick that's going to get you talked about after the show. But he has great matches. Uh, let's pivot into, oh, and by the way, Seth Rollins, my 14-year-olds. You know, you always, if you want to know where WWE's hot, you need to ask your young teenager. Uh, Seth Rollins used to be number one in this house for years. Okay. Now it's Matt Riddle. We'll get to Matt Riddle later. But if I got to hear bro in my house one more time, I might, <laughs> I might throw up. Bro. So next, we're going to talk about the Raw Tag Team Championship, the New Day versus AJ Styles, and the first match for Omos, the uh, seven-foot – correct me if I'm wrong here – the seven-foot-three uh, – this will be his first match ever. He he is so big. He looks actually bigger than – maybe that's because he's always standing next to AJ, who's probably like 5'9", but like he looks legitimately like Yao Ming. Like he's a monster, this dude. Yeah, when he puts his hands – on Kofi Kingston. I mean, like the other, I was just looking at this, like, it's just amazing to me that Kofi standing in the ring almost is almost as tall. Like I, I his hands are, are, are bigger than uh, a bulldozer. I mean, he, listen, let's get some background on the story. New day regains the titles from the hurt business. The hurt business tag team is now broke up. So there's really no one for them to fight there. Styles throws out the challenge. This will be almost his first ring action. So when I think about this, with AJ Styles and almost at around you know minus four hundred, this win is what makes AJ Styles a Grand Slam champion. Within five years of being in WWE, he will already become a Grand Slam champion with this win. In my opinion, the New Day doesn't have any challengers, and so on the Raw side, I don't think there's any reason to retain the belts because there's nothing for them to go to. What would be the the point of putting New Day over here? It would be less, I think, putting New Day over. And more if they're going to split Styles and almost here and almost just like destroys him after the match. And it's less about New Day than it is about those two separating and then maybe Styles like carrying almost to a good match afterwards here. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility that that could occur. What I think is more likely, though, is that this is like your new Owen Hart Yokozuna team where they go over and and almost obviously plays the Yoko role, rest in peace, where he's like the big dude that doesn't have to do much and it's just big. Styles does all the work and bumps all over the place. But I, I don't think this is like a clear cut and dry, like slam dunk win for Styles and almost here. Like I, I could definitely see a situation where almost, well, let's say, let's say Styles takes the pin, right? And then almost is kind of like standing there like, well, like you lost the match. Styles is laying there. Styles gets up and is like patting almost like, let's go back to the locker room and almost just stands there. And then Styles like pushes him, like, come on back with me. And then almost just beats the crap out of him and the fans go nuts or almost is the heel and just destroys Styles and Styles turns face as a result. So I don't think this one's cut and dry here. So I I don't know if, if you agree with that analysis here, but I don't think this is a slam dunk. The problem is, is you and I are too forward thinking and we're doing WWE's creative work for them. I think that that is the storyline, but I don't think it's going to happen in one night. I think AJ Styles gets his Grand Slam champion by becoming tag team. Then there's a progression of a problem with Omos, which eventually ends up into what? A a SummerSlam one-on-one match between the two. I think almost before he turns heel and says, I'm done with this shit, AJ Styles, like he's got to get some in-ring time first before he has a one-on-one match. 
So it's good to disguise him in a tag team like this, let AJ do all the work while he almost gets familiar with being in the ring. So, yeah, I think that's actually actually very much the plan. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen on WrestleMania on night one. But, yeah, I could see a head-to-head matchup for SummerSlam for these two. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Uh, Yeah, pretty sure the new day heard enough. The 11-time WWE Tag Team Champions. We're going to move on to a match that I have zero interest in. It feels so repetitive. First off, Shane McMahon's in WrestleMania. Shocker. Uh, you, You shouldn't ever think that he's not going to be in a match. Braun Strowman's in a match, thrown together last minute because they never had a plan for him in the first place. Again. Uh, he's Braun Strowman's about minus 500 to win a steel cage match against Shane McMahon. The intro to this is basically the rivalry has been brewing since the underground matches that were going on where, where Strowman was dominating everybody. Remember that? Yeah. Pushing Shane around. Give me this. Give me that. Uh, the steel cage was picked to keep Elias and Jackson Riker out. So there can't be any outside interference here. Uh, there was a strong showing for Braun Strowman on the, uh, Braun Strowman on the go home show of raw this past Monday. So that would lead you to think that he's going to get the win here, but I, I don't know. I, first off, I'm not sure if I care. Second off, I can see Shane McMahon doing something, winning this match, and then proving that Braun Strowman is stupid or thick or whatever it is he's trying to prove that Braun is. So do you have any feel one way or the other here? Um, look, WWE does dumb stuff all the time. So I guess it's possible that like, it could be like a Shane Miz ending from a couple of years ago, right? Where like, Strowman kills him and then like there's interference and like Shane gets his arm over him and wins the match and they continue this feud. It's just, it's really bad. Like even by WWE standards, this is just absolutely atrocious. Like the storyline is so stupid. Like, Oh, like bronze, like Braun, you're dumb. I'm like, that's, 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 that's what this is about. Like, come on. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like this needs to be old yeller. Take it out back, shotgun to the head, kill this dead, get Braun onto something else here. So I think what we're going to get is the most obvious result, which is Shane takes a bump off the cage through a table. Braun ends up winning and everyone goes home happy and we never speak of this ever again. I hope that's what we're going to see. How are you having a cage match with, which eliminates Braun Strowman running around the ring and, and running over everybody like a bull? Like, why would you pick this format? Well, I think the whole the whole point of it is that like, they're going to get outside of the cage because like Shane's going to take a bump and that that spot's going to happen. I guess that's kind of like the whole point. Yeah. Obviously Shane's like, obviously Shane is in the back with WWE creative saying, okay, yes, I'm getting up there in age, but I will climb to the top of a steel cage at WrestleMania and jump off onto a table once again. (laughs) Uh, You know, so I, I think, I don't know if I feel like I've seen this before. I feel like I'll see it again. And and for the love of God, get Strowman some real direction. Like give, just let him have one path and get him up there with the big boys. You know, I want more Lesnar and McIntyre fights. Now I've had enough of this. So we're going to move on to what we think is the Saturday night main event. This is the SmackDown women's championship. Sasha Banks, the champion going in against Bianca Belair. One of the most athletic superstars on the entire roster with confidence, attitude, and swagger to back it up. The sophomore, I guess we could call her, since uh, her real breakout performance came in the 2020 Royal Rumble uh, before the pandemic hit and really shut everything down. Bianca came in and cleaned house. In the, I mean, the star of that Royal Rumble. I mean, you're talking about a women's division at the time that was loaded. Charlotte, Becky, uh, Bailey, Sasha. Ronda Rousey, Asuka, I mean, just some really hot names in a women's division. And Bianca came in and stole the show in the 2020 Royal Rumble, uh, parlayed that into winning the Royal Rumble this past January. Um, And and so I I don't like the storyline direction. Of course, I always have a complaint about WWE creative. Let's tag Banks and Bel Air up. Brutal. Chamber and Fastlane. Like, that there's, I mean, you're, you're killing the rivalry build here. I mean, like, you, you haven't built any kind of story whatsoever. So... Bianca Belair is minus 400 here, Nick. I, I think that this is an easy win. Wins the Royal Rumble, moves on to WrestleMania, wins a title. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty hist- history says that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think, and do you agree with me that this either opens or closes? And same thing with Drew Lashley. I think it closes it. Now, and we're going to get to this with the, with the match that's scheduled for Sunday, but I feel like all four horsemen, four horsewomen participants – need to be free to collectively come together in case there's a Becky Ronda uh, show up. Okay. 
I think that I, makes sense. Yeah. So getting the title off of Sasha, putting it on Bianca, uh, letting her go through the women's roster on the SmackDown side while Sasha becomes some sort of free agent for big things that may happen. We'll talk about it with the with the Raw Women's Championship, but I, I, I think that this is a one and done. I don't think this continues to go. Of course, quality and match matters too, but I think what, what are you suggesting that Sasha probably wins this and it moves on to a best of three or? Um, I think Bianca will win, but like, okay. So yes, that is my prediction. So I agree 100% with what you said, but if the show opens with this match, would that change your feeling on a potential winner? Or are you still like Bianca wins no matter what? <sighs> well, then I fall back in. I think I'm still on that train, but curious what you think in terms of match placement. Then I fall back into Bianca squash mode, similar to Rollins. Okay. Over okay similar fair. to Rollins over. I think whoever, op- I think whatever championship match opens the show on Saturday, it's not that long of a match. Quick and dirty. Okay. Quick and dirty and, 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 you know, move on. And, and so, but we think this is going to be the main event. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, Bianca is uh, an unbelievable talent. And uh, I think rewarding her here makes a lot of sense. And letting her cut her teeth on a, on, a, on a young division, in my opinion, I think it just makes sense. So kind of a, yeah, I mean, this could be the main event, but at the same time, I feel like it's probably one of the more predictable matches. Yeah. Um, and also Bianca's my girlfriend's name, so I'm somewhat partial. So give me Bianca to take this one home. <laughs> Before we move on here, we want to show some appreciation for one of life's greatest pleasures, beer. More specifically, drinking beer. Because just like Stone Cold Steve Austin, I also enjoy opening up a couple cans of beer, smashing them together, and then pouring them into my mouth to get the party started. Well, you can't emerge victorious from the steel cage match of life getting wasted before happy hour. And that's where our friends at Athletic Brewing come in. Because for years now, Athletic Brewing has been making some of the most flavorful beers money can buy. Brews that celebrate the flavors and innovations of the craft beer tradition, but without the alcohol. So if you're thinking of taking it easy on the booze to avoid being knocked out by the two by fours and folding chairs of your own bad decisions, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support this show, head to athleticbrewing.com, check out their selection, and place an order using code ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order, and if you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order, and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. So Nick and I will move on to Sunday, uh, <laughs> right? Two-night event. I, do you, are you a fan of the two-night event? I actually kind of enjoy it because I don't like seven-hour WrestleManias. I hate seven-hour WrestleManias. Um, I'm always for more of a good thing. It's like when people complain about, oh, there's an extra wild card game now in the NFL. Oh, well, it saturates the product. More teams make the playoffs. Or, and hear me out, it's more stuff for us to watch and bet on. So I'm, I'm give me three-night WrestleMania. I'm, give me a week straight. I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's kind of interesting from like a, when a fan's return to the arena standpoint, like if you're going to buy tickets for you and your family or you and your buddy to go, why, how do you know if you're buying Saturday or Sunday? You obviously want to see your star. You want to see your match. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting that I think they need to solidify who's fighting on Saturday and Sunday. But I mean, I don't know, potentially something for WWE to figure out. I do like the two night event. Uh, you know, it, this, I think it was also smart for WWE to push this farther out from March Madness so they can own a weekend uh, to push this out on a weekend where really MLB's gotten two weeks in. Uh, I I think they're very cognizant. They're very cognizant of when Monday Night Football comes on and what their ratings are going to do with Raw. Um, So I I think this is a good call by WWE, and hopefully they keep it up. So for Sunday, if the big main event with Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan are going to be the main event, then is the Raw Women's Championship going to be the kickoff? And that would mean we need to talk about Asuka, current champ, versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, Ripley currently listed at minus 400, which kind of shocked me. Uh, the rookie just getting called up. And we say, well, how do we get here? I thought Charlotte was due for a, for a run here. Charlotte, you know, was, was her whole steam, her whole buildup, you know, tagging up with Asuka, uh, making a run at Nia and, and Shayna uh, for the tag team championships. That was all just shut down. Charlotte was pulled off promo posters she was pulled off tv she was completely like and it was a mystery like it just all of a sudden like we don't know what oscar's doing at wrestlemania now you follow charlotte on instagram yes i do yeah she's been she's been posting some good pictures recently so she may she may be off the billboards but uh but she, she's still getting she's still getting the job done i would say about charlotte flair when Char- let's talk about charlotte that picture the the uh the nude white jean jacket picture that was floated out there so what happened to charlotte was is apparently 
an interview that was completely Spanish. Andrade, the uh, the significant other of Charlotte, fellow WWE superstar. Uh, he got fired, right? Uh, is he fired? Officially? I think that I think I think he's no longer with the company. I think they let him go. How many tests can you fail? <laughs> Imagine screwing that situation up. I mean, it's a, a year ago we're talking about Andrade and Alistair Black taking over the WWE and being the future, and now these two are on the back of a milk carton. I don't even know what Andrade's contract situation is if he's been fired for so many you know, uh, failed tests. And I don't even know where Alistair Black is after his wife was promptly fired because she suggested that there should be a union, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So they've had Alistair Black off TV for quite a while. Uh, but in this scenario, Andrade gives a Spanish interview and suggests that Charlotte had um, at least some levels on a test that showed her positive for pregnancy. And Charlotte went and said, uh, in, a, in a further interview, I believe she said that uh, you know, that was a lost in translation interview that Andrade gave. Uh, I had a, you know, a false pregnancy test. Uh, and then the storyline on TV was Rhea comes in and says, Charlotte can't come to WrestleMania because, and then she, because of COVID, right? So now they're using COVID as a cover for what actually happened was, is we had a false pregnancy test for Charlotte. By the time she got removed from everything, uh, you know, it was the, she, you know, what wasn't positive for being pregnant. So we should see her back. If not at WrestleMania, we'll see her back on Monday Night Raw the night after. It's always good because, you know, more Charlotte Flair is always good. And I'll also just add, Andrade may no longer be with the company, but someone needs to get his theme music because that may be the most underrated theme of all time. Love Andrade. I, I, I do like that music too. You can go have your Andrade. I'm going to stick with Alistair Black. I, I, Alistair Black's intro to me has potential to be Bray White Undertaker-ish. So, eh, you know, not uh, really into that crap, but yeah, well, that's fair. Fair enough. I don't think you and I have to worry about either of these two. And True. So, so Ripley fully embraced. She gets onto Raw. We don't know who's the face, who's the heel, because Asuka has the ability to not only support the entire division by herself, but she can play heel. She can play face. I've been pretty pissed off the last four months that she is just a sideshow to the tag team division. Like, we'll tag her up with anybody. She's taking the pins in these matches. She's the world champion. She's a Raw Women's Champion. Why are you booking her to be pinned all the time? She, oh, by the way, let's not mention that she's also, like, the most respected in the locker room. Like, she was long overdue from NXT to get up. Like, she is, in my opinion, the best in-ring worker out of all of them. Uh, so, for some reason, I don't know why Asuka has – I just think she's given too much of herself in the last four or five months. But Ripley fully embraced the heel role on the go-home show of Raw, making Asuka the face. Uh, she turned on her uh, and, you know, kind of, you know, did some sort of heel stuff on the, on the go-home show of Raw, uh, uh, you know, attacking Asuka, which, you know, kind of sets up the good guy, bad guy here. If you're into betting just good guys at WrestleMania, which is usually pretty profitable, Asuka is the dog here. Now we have to talk about, the volumes podcast that Colin Cowherd cut with WWE president Nick Khan just yesterday mentioning Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey are scheduled to return at a certain point. We all know we've heard reports that Becky Lynch is working out is, is getting in ring shape, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, Nick, would it not make sense to keep the title on Oscar if Becky is coming back? Yes, it would not make sense. Yes, because it just destroys Rhea Ripley. Like, like you cut her legs out from under her as soon as she debuts. Like, it can't happen. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to finagle this after the fact, but, like, Rhea's a potential star, and, like, she has to win this match. Now, whether she will or not is not up to you or I, obviously, here, but that's an insane booking decision, right, to have her lose. Like, her momentum's killed dead. Like, she's dead at this point. Good as dead. DOA. And I'm not talking the old tag team from back in the day. Like, it's over for her. She has to win. So, like, I, that, that's the bet for me is Rhea Ripley. So, you think the price is absolutely legit, the minus 400 on Rhea Ripley? Like, but, like, how does she – I look, and I offer this caveat kind of with everything that we talk about. Like, it's WWE. So, like, you never know. Like, they could do something dumb. But, like, this – I feel like it, it has to go like this. Like, she's a potential star. You can't have her debut and then job her out immediately. Like, it's it's over at that point for her if that's what happens. 
Yeah, and I think the booking with Asuka has been, she's been taking the pins, she's been taking the beatings. Like, she has not been the dominant force that she was when she had her first WrestleMania against Charlotte. And a loss doesn't hurt Asuka. Like, Asuka's, like, made. You know, like, she can lose and, like, she still has, she's still Asuka. It doesn't matter. A loss kills Rhea Ripley here. Yeah, and I think if you're betting on Rhea Ripley here, I would be a little bit cautious over the fact that she may get disqualified for using excessive force or maybe a weapon or maybe something that gets her disqualified here. Uh, you want to make her this. So the goal is to keep Rhea looking good. Now she lost last WrestleMania, her WrestleMania debut, to Charlotte. Yeah. To Charlotte. So you're going to start her off. Oh, and two in her career. When this is somebody that you want to, you want to put a booster rocket on her back and fire her like into, you know, off the face of the planet with her career. You want her to start off. Oh, and two in WrestleManias. So I think that they have to make Rhea Ripley look good, which Oscar can do. But I'm not so sure that she just shows up and three weeks later, she's the champ. So right. I think there's potential here for, if not outside interference, for Rhea Ripley to use a weapon or something to get disqualified, thus giving Asuka the win. I would be cautious here betting on Ripley. Okay. I think that that's, that's more than fair and the price is obviously heavy. Uh, how about this? Can we, can I just, I, well, I guess you win, right? If it's disqualification and you bet on Asuka, you win. Right. I guess I, I would just not bet on this then. <laughs> so I actually do think Oscar's worthy because I think that's the direction because let's think next night, right? Monday, Monday night raw after WrestleMania is Becky Lynch showing up asking for a re asking for a match because she never lost the title in the first place. And it just doesn't make sense for her to like take that back from Rhea. Okay. So here's what would be cool. I think this is where you're going. And I apologize if I'm stealing your thunder here, but let's say that like they're putting Rhea and she's got the look for it too. I kind of love her whole deal, man. Oh, like, I let's too. say, like, like look at her. Like, Rhea Ripley would kick my ass, and I kind of like it. Like, like, if Rhea just turns this into like, don't care, I'm gonna beat the shit out of Oscar here and get disqualified. Then Oscar shows up the next night. Let's say she loses to Becky Lynch. Then you can have Rhea come out and attack Becky Lynch, and there you have your face heel program. Like, that's something that could potentially. So, I, I think you bring up a good point here, but. I, I, again, I think the likely scenario is that Rhea wins and then we go from there. And then maybe maybe Becky's the face challenger to, to Rhea's and Rhea's the champion. So that's where I would go still just because, again, like I feel like you kill her dead if she loses the match. Maybe they kind of finagle it the way you're talking about. I'm actually kind of more interested in this match now after talking to you than I was like before we did this. Well, don't I mean, think about it also. There's potential for Becky to come out during this match and make sure that Asuka gets the win just so that she can face her because she wants to get her title back. So I think, I think the Becky Lynch thing, I think that really ties into this match. And I think that, that she, turns Becky heel. If she does that, I feel like the audience is sophisticated enough to know that's bullshit. If she does that, stop. there's no such thing. Becky Lynch is so far past. She's never going to be a heel again. She Bro, can that, but, but that's like what Hogan did at Wrestle at, at Royal rumble 92, where like he like gets eliminated and then like he's holding Sid Sid gets eliminated and the crowd turns on Hogan. Like the crowd isn't going to buy that. Like Becky costs Rhea Ripley the match because she wants to beat Asuka. I would boo the shit out of Becky Lynch if I were in the crowd. Now that's me. You're the only one. Nobody's booing Becky Lynch from here to eternity, no matter what she does. She can come out and say, I'm a bad guy. I'm always going to be a bad guy. I'm always going to cheat. And she will never get booed again. Right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll I mean, see. look at Daniel Bryan trying to be a heel, coming out with this whole earth. And, uh, you know, he was good, man. He got booed. I don't. I I loved it. I loved every minute. Well, of I mean, it. you loved it because he's awesome and like he was hilarious. But like, but he was getting booed. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, that was such a great angle. That whole, it was. My belt is made out of repurposed. <laughs> yes, it was tremendous. Yeah, that that is one thing the WWE should have kept up with. All right, so. We will keep our eyes on this one. I think Becky Lynch potential involvement here. If not on Monday night, we'll see her next one. I believe is one of their biggest storylines, but I think it's a complete squash. Uh, I think there are other things to be talked about and it is Bray Wyatt, the fiend listing it almost minus a thousand. You'd have to lay a hundred bucks to win 10 over Randy Orton. Uh, I think if you don't look at the story arc here, but I could talk forever. I don't want to waste podcast space because these two have been with or each other. Or kill brain cells. Are killing brain cells. The Fiend was reborn at Fastlane. Uh, a new burnt crisp outfit. A new burnt crisp mask. Uh, there's. I think. I think the latest word that I've heard is that this is going to be an actual match. Oh. Cinematic. Yeah, it's not going to be the Undertaker AJ Styles, which, in my opinion, 
stole the show. It was great last year. How about I mean, this? I got a hot take for you. I thought the uh, the Fiend Cena cinematic match was amazing last yeah. year. I thought it was great. They do really well with these cinematic matches. They need to keep. I don't care that it was might have been filmed two weeks before. I mean, when AJ Styles said to the Undertaker, "Does Michelle know you're out this late?" I almost. I am still dying a year later. That was a great match, and unfortunately, it looks like they're not doing it this way. And, but you know, and I don't know if you agree with this, and this is a tangent here, but that was like very early on into the pandemic when we were still like in kind of quarantine. That was like. On the moment where after that match, I was kind of like sitting there at the end of night one of WrestleMania that Saturday night, like I felt good for the first time in a long time. Like yeah. I actually felt like I was smiling, like I was buzzing about it, like that was great. Um, and I actually think like the the Fiend Cena match was like a legendary piece of storytelling when you look at everything that went into it. Like Cena like succumbing to the devil inside him, like actually like getting becoming evil, like the Fiend beating him in that way. I hope they do something similar. I, I I have no interest in an actual match between these two. So well, I hope it goes cinematic, but I think Fiend goes over either way. Yeah, Fiend's going to win here. So if you can parlay this, Bray Wyatt is your pick. But I think the more important thing is for Smarks, uh, you know, to see if, you know, this is what we call the hashtag cult of Wyndham, the, the birth of Bo Dallas, uh, who is, you know, in, in real life named Taylor Rotunda. He is the... He is the real life brother of Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, son of IRS, of course, son of IRS, former tag team champ with uh, with Million Dollar Man. Uh, so the the two Rotunda brothers, uh, who also have an uncle in Barry Wyndham, uh, former United States Four Horsemen, if these two are actually going to be in this program together with Taylor Rotunda being underneath the mask of the Fiend, while Bray Wyatt plays. Uh, you know, Bray Wyatt, Funhouse, Firefly, Funhouse, sweater, uh, uh, top knot hair, uh, while Taylor Rotunda is underneath the mask. I think there's two things to look at here. Bray Wyatt continually gets into mentions on Twitter and has the hashtag Cult of Wyndham. I think that may be a little bit of foreshadowing, but he also made a Twitter mention like within the last week that his body is looking much better now. Oh, interesting. Okay. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Right. And, and so if you look at that, like his brother, Taylor, Bo Dallas, Taylor Rotunda is a very much smaller version of Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda. And if so, they're going to put Bo Dallas in that mask as the fiend, it's going to be a different body shape. And if you look at the promo for this match, like if you look at the poster, like the fiend is smaller, he's way smaller, like way thinner than Bray Wyatt is. So I think we get the introduction of his real-life brother, Bo Dallas, as the new fiend, and Bray Wyatt runs around playing his Firefly Funhouse self. So I, I think that's really the what to look for in this. Or is this a spot where Aleister Black finally makes a comeback after his wife got fired? Uh, do they put him in some sort of sorcery wizard, whatever this shit is that they do? But uh, I think that's what we've all expected with the intro that he has. It's very Undertaker-ish. But do you have any other feelings about this? Nope, I think you kind of nailed it. Um, I definitely expect the Fiend to win. I think that would kind of be cool if they uh, they did it the way you're talking about. I'm just hoping, hoping, please, that this is a cinematic match and not an actual match. We can all pray. We don't know what they're going to do. Intercontinental Championship, Big E versus Apollo Crews. I was completely uninterested in this. For a very long time, because I think Big E had beaten Apollo Crews maybe seven times straight, but Crews continues to go on the heel aggressive attacks. And then a month ago, he comes out as a Nigerian prince with two guards watching over him. He's got his Nigerian prince scarf, and he has adopted a new accent, which is kind of funny because Kofi Kingston was originally Jamaican, and then he wasn't. You see, I'm not from the hood, and I'm not from suburbia. I'm from Nigeria. My ancestors are Nigerian royalty. This is the real me. So I like these accent changes midstream of your character. So I had no interest in this, but now that Apollo Crews is essentially a heel role in a new character development, I think there's absolutely, this is Apollo Crews minus 140 on the betting line. You have to bet on Apollo Crews here. Now, I don't want to fade Big E. I never want to fade Big E. But to me, this fills a WrestleMania narrative that has been around forever. You want to look at Demon Baylor beating Lashley for the IC title at, at WrestleMania 35 or Zack Ryder winning the ladder match over Kevin Owens in WrestleMania 32 or WrestleMania 3. That's the big one I'm talking about is when Steamboat beat the Macho Man 
so that Randy Savage could ascend to the next level. This is beyond wrestling ability. This is guts personified right now. Because before an Intercontinental Champion ascends to world title status, they have to lose the belt. They have to drop the belt. Now, we all know the Big E, they want him on the stage for the world title. They want him in a program. I don't know if that's SummerSlam. I don't know if that's Survivor Series, but they want Big E at the world title level. So in my opinion, Apollo Crews gets the win here. Maybe we get a couple more matches between the two during the summer. Uh, could be the bit, you know, three three matches, Money in the Bank, Backlash, Extreme Rules. Uh, but if you know, Biggie drops the belt, and eventually you're out. SummerSlam gets the push into the Edge Roman uh, picture, whatever that may be at the time. But for Biggie to move on to the world title, he's got to drop the IC title. I think you nailed it. I think that's kind of the direction they're going to go in with Biggie, and also like. <laughs> I, I kind of dig this. I think Apollo's doing great work. He looks like a million bucks right now. I don't think it makes sense for him to lose here. And I think this is kind of a match where, like you said, like, yes, it's like a quote unquote loss for Big E, but it's going to end up springboarding, springboarding him to bigger and better things. So maybe like the thought process, if people want to make an argument for Big E winning would be like, okay, first singles match in front of a crowd, like where he's in like this, he's obviously had singles matches before, but like in this role that he's in now where he's clearly, clearly like being groomed as a baby face now to make this huge run and he gets the win and then maybe loses another time the belt. I just think now is the perfect time at WrestleMania, give Apollo Cruz some shine and let's get this rolling now with Biggie. So I'm with you here. I think Cruz is a really solid bet at minus 140. Yeah, there's a lot of vibes coming off of the uh, gender Mahal here where, you know, we have a new character. Uh, we're embracing our heritage. I've been given two cronies and now I'm going to play a heel role with a belt on me and use everything that I can to keep that. I liked gender. I feel like I'm like the only person that liked gender's like heel, heel run as champion. I I didn't like, what is that match where they had the bamboo sticks up? You can't see uh, the, the damn Pun- ring. Yeah. Well, that was stupid. The Punjabi prison match. Yeah. yeah the Punjabi prison Kelly. match. What the what, hell am what I do watching? You think, what do you think Randy or they told Randy Orton when they were like, Hey Randy, thanks for all your years of service. You're going to put gender Mahal over in three straight pay-per-views. <laughs> Well, I mean, if the pay is good, right? Yeah, listen, I listen. You pay me, I'll I'll do it. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll drop the gender. You give me that nice vacation schedule. Uh, only work one day a week. I'll 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 job in the Punjabi. So, what is this? A Nigerian uh, drum match? Is that what this is? Do you know what that is? It's basically, I think, like a no holds barred match under a different name. So, I, I think that's really what it is. Well, I it, I'm interested to see if. Now, generally, here's what they do with WWE. When you have two cronies, these are the two people that are shadowing and guarding Apollo Crews, they are NXT-type development wrestlers that they somehow need to break into the business. And I'm wondering if who these two guys are. I was watching – I've been watching film of it on SmackDown. I can't figure out who these two guys are. But They're going to get put through tables probably by Big E, and then Big E will turn around and Apollo will beat him. Right. So, I mean, eventually, you know, even if New Day loses their titles, maybe we got uh, maybe we got the New Day going up against Apollo Crews and his two cronies, the Nigerian Prince angle. So, yeah, Crews takes it here. Uh, I think that's pretty cut and dry and and probably best value on the board for all the favorites at at minus 140. So I'd hop on that before we get kicked off. We're going to move into a match that we've seen 7000 times, and that was before the two wrestlers got to WWE. Kevin Owens lists at minus 350 against his real life best friend, Sami Zayn. Owens refuses to be in a documentary that Sami Zayn is filming about a conspiracy theory to hold Sami Zayn down and to lose the Intercontinental Championship. Sami Zayn attacks his real-life best friend, Kevin Owens. Uh, Shocker, we've seen that a zillion times. Now Logan Paul, YouTube star Logan Paul, is going to be involved with this match. We don't know if it's a ref as a special enforcer. Uh, Sami Zayn wants him to be there uh, to help him expose this conspiracy theory. Logan Paul has been with the WWE before and he was not well received backstage. So I don't know what to make of this match. I don't know. I think my care level is about a two and match will be great though. With these two yeah, match is going to be good. Is. These two. I mean, they know each other so well, right? I mean, the, the match can't be bad. It's like Cesaro and Rollins. The match can't be bad. Yep. Right. I mean, the match between Ambrose and Rollins or Reigns, no matter when it happened, when the shield broke up, the matches were always great. Yep. So, I don't have an opinion here and I don't want to bet it. And frankly, I, the Logan Paul thing has a chance to be a disaster. Uh, so do you, I mean, do you have any betting opinion? Do you have any, you know, what's going to happen with Sami Zayn after this? You love Sami Zayn. We've had this talk. I hate Sami Zayn. He drives me nuts. And that's when you tell me he's doing his job and he's doing it very well. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say, which is how, you know, we've had this conversation. I, I think he's hilarious. Like he actually like makes me laugh out loud. Um, yeah, I think Kevin Owens is like a lock to win this match. 
I think it does nothing for Zane to win. Zane is one of these guys that never literally his gimmick is, is that there's a conspiracy theory against him. Why would he win? Like when they're like losing kind of furthers it. And I think what's probably fairly obvious is that Paul's going to like knock him out. And then either after the match or during the match and KO is going to beat him. I think it's actually pretty cut and dry. Like I kind of think it's like close to a lock. The KO wins. Okay. Well then we'll roll with that. I'm not going to go against that. Uh, Especially this being WrestleMania and we like to get, the good guy's over. Crazy enough, seeing KO is a is a good guy. He's much better as a bad guy doing swantons off the top of a of a uh, forklift. So head, listen, headbutting Vince McMahon. You yeah, headbutting. <laughs> this is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign up offer for our listeners: a six hundred dollar risk free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. So listen, I say I dislike Sami Zayn, but I got news for you. When he comes on the screen, my preteens, my teenagers, young teenagers, they love watching Sami Zayn because they dislike him too, but they can't stop watching him. That's another the point. wrestler, another wrestler they can't stop watching, Matt Riddle. So let's move on to the United States Championship match. Matt Riddle is listed minus 160 against Sheamus. Uh, I, the storyline here just happened two weeks ago. Sheamus attacked Matt Riddle with his own scooter. Now, if you don't know who Matt Riddle is, you need to know that he says bro all the time, surfer looking guy. The stoner gimmick, yeah. Stoner, they don't say yeah. that, but that's the gimmick. Yeah, I'm a little sore and a little beat up, but hey, at least I get to fight Sheamus at WrestleMania. And check it out. I got my scooter working again. Wrestles barefoot, stoner, bro. Yeah, right, bro. Everything is bro. And, and let me tell you what's going but on. But elongated, though. Not just like bro, like bro. Yeah, it's really long. Like the interview, bro. Uh, <laughs> Matt Mitchell, cue the intro to Matt Riddle's music, please. Bro. Bro. Listen, here's the thing. About four months ago, I told you this was a Seth Rollins house. About four months ago, my 14-year-old comes up to me and says, Dad, I need this ringtone on my iPhone. I'm like, what? A ringtone? So I buy him the 99 cent ringtone. And what is it? It's bro. It's just, <laughs> just that. That's it, right? So now every time my 14-year-old gets a text, bro. Every time he gets an email, bro. Every time like a notification from freaking Fortnite, bro. Yeah. You want to know if Matt Riddle's hot. He has hit the demographic of 13 to 16 years old hard, especially with the scooter. So then my son asked for a scooter. Now my son, who's got a bike, we bike miles together on weekend mornings. He's got a scooter just because he wants to be like Matt Riddle. So Matt Riddle is a pretty hot name. And it's kind of interesting here for the Wilson house because we actually met Seamus in the Tulsa airport uh, at the time. I, I think my sons were like eight years old. Uh, he was the Money in the Bank briefcase holder. He was flying through Tulsa after a raw smackdown that used to be Monday, Tuesday back in the day. And my son walks up to him. It's when he had the faux hawk, the, the mohawk. And my son walks up to him and he says, my dad says your hair looks stupid. Nice. <laughs> he says, and he probably loved it. And he's like, I want to meet your dad. And I come over there and I meet him. And he, he was so nice to my two sons. And I was like, uh, and my son's asked, do you got the money in the bank briefcase in your suitcase? He's like, yep, I got it in there. And my son's asked him, what do you have in the money in the bank briefcase? He says, I got a ham sandwich. <laughs> so, uh, well, corned beef would have been more on brand, but yeah. 
it's just amazing to me how nice some of these WWE superstars are outside. Cause I mean, they have to be pestered everywhere they go. Oh yeah. So I'm a little torn here on who I want. Uh, I would like to see Matt Riddle get beat because I can't get my son to quit saying bro. But although he is a rising star, no matter if you hate him outside the ring, as a lot of people do, he is a rising star. I don't have an opinion here. I can see Sheamus getting the title for a month just because he's earned it. He's worked so hard. Uh, I like Matt Riddle here. Um, you know, Riddle has got like kind of like the CGI now when he kind of kicks off the uh, the sandals or whatever he wears before he wrestles barefoot with the, with the birds and everything. I, I don't think it would make a lot of sense to take the belt off Riddle at this point here. So I think Riddle is a, is a small favorite. I actually think there's some pretty decent value here. Like why would they kind of give him like the, the like the enhancements here with the presentation if he was going to if he was going to do the job in this match? So that's kind of like minor build to this match. Why would you put Sheamus over? I don't think it makes a lot of sense. So I think Riddle wins in some kind of underhanded fashion, maybe keeps heat on Sheamus. But I think Matt Riddle is going to retain the belt. Yeah, it falls into the Samoa Joe, like, I need a Lifetime Achievement Award. You should just slap a strap on him because of all the good. I mean, Sheamus has been an MVP of keeping up with Drew McIntyre. Like, he's he can pivot into so many different roles, good guy, bad guy. Uh, he can fill so many things on the roster. And I think if Sheamus was to win the U.S. title for a month, it would just be a uh, you deserve it. But then again, you don't want to steal this thunder from Riddle. So I agree with you. We'll, we'll take Riddle here and – We'll continue to listen to bro around my house all the time. This will lead us into the main event on Sunday, the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan, a three-way match. And by the way, they're all at plus money right now. Roman Reigns plus 150, Edge plus 115, Daniel Bryan plus 200. Completely mispriced in my opinion. If you want to look into this match, Edge wins the Royal Rumble. Pretty predictable. Teases both champions, whether he's going to go after Drew McIntyre at the time or if he was going to go after Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber. He makes his decision by spearing Roman Reigns. Then Daniel Bryan makes Roman Reigns tap at Fastlane. Edge pummels you know, both of them uh, for the Reigns pin over Daniel Bryan. Then Daniel Bryan petitions his way for the three-way match. I don't know why this is a three-way match. And let me just say this. I don't know why this is a three-way match, why it just couldn't have been Edge and Roman to close out WrestleMania. But what this tells me with Daniel Bryan's addition, whose contract is up, his full-time contract is up. He is signing a part-time contract so he can have that dad time at home, show up for matches every once in a while. The only reason Daniel Bryan was added to this match, in my opinion, is to not just you know add a superstar, somebody that's won a title at WrestleMania before, but it's because he's there to take the pin. He is absolutely there to take the pin because Roman Reigns has not been pinned, I think, in almost two years. You know, this is a, a spot for Edge winning the Royal Rumble. Uh, Daniel Bryan takes the pin. It just depends on who he's taking it from. I think he takes it from Edge. I think Bryan's going to win. What? I said completely mispriced. Plus two. I think he should be like plus a thousand and you're telling me he's going to win? I, I, I think he's going to win. I think Edge is going to take the pin here. And I think they're kind of like, what? all right, hear me out here. First event in over a year in front of fans. Sunday night, send the fans home happy. Daniel Bryan wins the belt. Bryan against Reigns is your program moving forward. Then maybe you do Bryan Edge, or then maybe Bryan rides off into the sunset after he loses to Roman again. Roman doesn't have to lose. Edge is a heel now. It doesn't hurt Edge to lose it all in a triple threat match. I think Bryan wins. Fans go home happy. First WrestleMania, first event with fans back. Boom. It, but does Edge winning not make the fans happy too? No matter. Like Edge is Edge, Edge is like a heel now, though, right? Is he? I mean, yeah. We go back to like Vince McMahon is touching the buttons in the back. I'm not booing Edge, no matter if he's like. Well, you're oh, not booing Edge, but like you're not like. Is your son gonna boo Edge? Probably. And I guess I'm. Not, I, I I guess a 40 year old male is not the target base, right? It's the 14 year old, right? So. Okay, so we, at least we both agree on one thing: that Roman Reigns is not taking the pin, and that he's not winning this match. I don't think there's any way Roman Reigns gets pinned. Like, no matter what happens. There's a 0% chance that happens. So Reigns is not going to get pinned. So yeah. I I, I, th- I think Edge takes Edge gets pinned by Brian, and then Reigns will get the belt back from Brian another time. Fans go home happy at WrestleMania. You get electric content from Roman Reigns not having lost, going absolutely ballistic. Brian being the face champion, kind of like poke, like poking the bear a little bit. Reigns goes over, sends Brian back home to, to, uh, to Brie Bella and, and, and their kid. And then maybe, and I don't know where Edge goes from there, but that's kind of, yeah, I, I think they, I'm surprised you think Brian's mispriced. I think he's going to win. Wow. Wow. I thought, I mean, just Brian's whole contracts, Daniel Bryan's contract situation, you know, pivoting from a full-time role to a part-time role because he wants more time with his kids. 
if we think that gets delayed till SummerSlam or maybe he's still a weekly contributor, like as a world champion, like, I, okay, so here's how we should attack this. Whose story is it easier to write off when they lose? Daniel Bryan loses. He goes and spends time with his kids and he has the part-time contract. When Edge loses this way and takes the pin, what do they, what do they do with him? I don't know. He just becomes more of a dastardly bad guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're going to throw him back into a program with RKO. He's talked before about how he wants to have a program with, with Seth Rollins. We don't know if that's possible. Do we have some sort of crossover with Drew McIntyre? Can I, I ask you this? Who's yeah. more likely to win, in your opinion, Edge or Daniel Bryan? Edge. Edge. I, I, I think Edge is the least likely of the three to win. Wow. And he has the best, and he has the odds that should well, I, I mean, they're all pretty close, right? But Edge at plus 115 suggests that, and maybe I'm just square money. Maybe I'm just public fish square money reading or, in. Or maybe I'm on maybe I'm on the square dog. Like that that's why I think the that's why I think this this main event's gonna be really fun because who the hell knows? That's cool. And it could be that fact that they haven't made their decision yet, but I mean Roman and plus the, we have to say this we're recording this on a Thursday, so we don't know what's gonna happen on SmackDown, the go home SmackDown show on Friday. Uh, but at least we both agree that there's no way that Romans is taking the pin. Does he come out of this match with his belt? He could. He could. I don't think so though. I mean, if you're gonna have this be the end of WrestleMania, there's a title change. I can't remember the last time WrestleMania ended without when a title Le- change. When Lesnar beat Roman and retained, right? Probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's no money in the bank floating around, so you can't have something weird like that happen. I don't know. It's really hard to like for me to imagine that there's not a title change here, so that means Rome does, yeah, eliminate Roman, and for me to have them put the belt on Daniel Bryan, who's going to part-time. So I guess I will stick with Edge. I think you should wait on your Daniel Bryan. I think that number's going to get better, but we'll know, or, won't we? Or, or maybe it won't. We'll know by Sunday. These odds will shift. Now, that doesn't mean everything, right? If you wake up on Sunday and you check the odds, that doesn't mean everything. I mean, they Vince sits in the gorilla position. If he wants to change his mind right before they walk out, he's going to change his mind, and they're going to switch everything. It's happened before. So I will stick with Edge at plus 115. Nick is going to stick with Daniel Bryan at plus 200. Other than that, you have any other thoughts? Like, I mean, we're, I don't think, you know, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal is going to be on SmackDown. Not enough, no big betting takeaways there. The women's division is having a tag team turmoil over the top row battle royal to determine who faces Shayna and, ba- Shayna and Nia. I don't think there's any real good takeaway there. The SmackDown Tag Championship, I believe, is being defended on SmackDown, not at WrestleMania. So there's no real takeaway there. Do you have anything else for, for the WrestleMania? I guess maybe Nakamura to win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal would kind of make a little sense. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Is he somebody else, too, that's on his way out, though? Is it, does, is it, does, does he have a desire to return to, to Japan? If, if he went back to Japan, he'd be like the 30th best worker in the company at this point. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so that'll do it for us. Nick, thanks for joining me. That'll do it for our WrestleMania 37 gambling preview. As a reminder, our guys Stucky and Chris Raybon return later next week for an NFL win totals episode. And do yourself a favor and check out the Favorites podcast with Chad Millman. Their new Thursday Thunderdome episodes are a lot of fun. Thanks to BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, do you have anything else uh, you want to throw in there the, before we might have to go another year before we pot on, on WWE again? I got a great number on Jordan Speed, so hopefully he wins the green jacket this weekend at Augusta National. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how much money I put on Victor Hovel and the guy starts off with a, with a triple. Nick, I really appreciate you joining me, and I, I hope I did as good of a job getting you on this podcast and introducing you as you do for me on You Better You Bet podcast. Everybody, please check out You Better You Bet podcast, and we'll see you next time on the Action Network podcast. We're finished talking.